Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in, WIP Daily. Joe Giglio with you on a Wednesday, July 12th. Appreciate everyone who's listened, subscribed, follow, of course, to WIP Daily since we started this podcast Back in April, uh, I love doing it and uh, can't wait as we get closer to the MLB trade deadline and, of course, Eagles training camp and the NFL season to bring in these podcasts every single day, Monday through Friday. Don't forget our video feed, 94WIP YouTube page. Check it out there. Myself and Tucker Bagley put up quite a few of our podcasts in video form as well uh, a couple times a week. So check it out there and you'll get a lot of videos uh, and just subscribe to the video feed as well. So today... Day after the All-Star game, you know, yesterday we talked about three kind of pie-in-the-sky ideas for the Phillies of the trade deadline. And, and this one could almost count as a fourth pie-in-the-sky idea, but it actually might be a little bit more realistic. Yesterday at the All-Star game, Nolan Arenado, third baseman, great third baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals, was asked by John Heyman um, about the idea of getting traded, about a fire sale from the Cardinals. And, and he did not discount that this could happen. And then later on during the coverage of the All-Star game, ESPN was talking about the idea of the Phillies as a fit for Nolan Arenado. And my immediately, you guys know it, my antenna went up. And my answer to this is yes, yes, yes. Where do I sign? What do I have to give up? Yes. If the Phillies could get Nolan Arenado, they need to go get Nolan Arenado. It's like the Paul Goldschmidt idea. Same team, similar level of player, though he's younger with, with more team control. And, and, and the big picture on this is that he fits, and, and it's a major need. The corner, infields for the, the corner infielders for the Phillies have been really poor so far this season. You know, and moving Bryce Harper to first base, which is the plan as, as we speak right now, you know, can improve that a little bit and, and, and increase flexibility across the team, but it still doesn't solve everything. So let's just dive into Arenado. Um, the pros, the one potential con, I guess you could say, that is is has been different this year than ever before. Um, but let's just hit the baseline of, of why I think this is so much fun and why it, it would almost be a full circle thing. I don't know how many people have thought of this comparison or have ever looked at the numbers. but And, and probably the perception of the guy we're talking about right now, Arenado, is, is higher than the guy I'm about to say, especially for everyone here in, you know, that, that's a fan of, of the Phillies or in Philadelphia. If you look at Nolan Arenado at this stage of his career, I mean, you, you are looking at a twin, an identical clone of Scott Rowland. 
That's who Nolan Arenado's been in his career. Now, some of the numbers are a little inflated power-wise because he played all those games at Coors Field. But let me just let me just give it to you right now. Through age 32, obviously, Arenado has another half of this season to go or you know, a little bit less than half in terms of games, games actually on the schedule. But he's got about half a season to go to add to this. But right now, here is how it looks through age 32. Arenado, 288 batting average, 345 on base for his career, 524 slugging, a 124 adjusted OPS, a 53.5 war. Scott Rowland, through age 32, 283 batting average, 372 on base, 507 slugging percentage. Batting average really identical. On base, Rowland's a little bit better. Slugging, Arenado a little bit better. Obviously, the core's element there. Adjusted OPS, which takes into parks, right? 126 adjusted OPS. I Basically identical. The war, 55.1. Again, with about a half a season ago, it's very easy to see Arenado matching him identically through their age 32 seasons in war, about 55 each, the first, you know, whatever years of their career through age 32. I mean, look, this is Scott Rowland 2.0. Right the wrong, bring him back. And if you do it, you bring in one of the great third basemen in baseball history, a future Hall of Famer, the way Scott Rowland is in the Hall of Fame, is going to go to the Hall of Fame now, and a guy that can be a Philly. For a while. Now, let's go through some of the machinations of this, uh, a potential trade package, what it would look like, uh, how it would fit the Phillies right now. I think as a whole, and I'm going to say this with a little asterisk, a little bit, because I, I'm not quite ready to believe what some of the numbers are saying fully yet. But this would, as a whole, make the Phillies defense way better. Okay, let's just play it out. Now, we don't. Bryce Harper first base is a big unknown. Totally. We know that. Second base, Bryce decided they could play a nice second base. I, I don't think Trey Turner's played a great shortstop, but they're stuck with that right now. And then you put Arenado at third base. And I think with the addition of Arenado, if you add a bat that big, if you, if you put Arenado's bat, 19 home runs so far this season, in at third base, and we'll get to the Alec Bohm component in a second, but if you do that, I think you could get away with light hitting and defense in the outfield. I think you could get away, because really what you're doing, let's say Christian Pache becomes the guy you put out there. You go get another defense-first outfitter that could platoon with Pache and Marsh, right? A, a guy that fits that, that kind of combination. But just, let's just say it's Pache playing a lot, Arenado with third, and you, you go that route. Well, if you do that, and Bryce Harper starts hit for some power in the second half, I think you have so much power in your corner infield, you really could get away with a very light-hitting Outfield, or you know, a combination in the outfit of Marsh and, and Pache, which is is you know pretty light hitting in terms of, of power from your from two of your outfielders. But I think you could do it, and all of a sudden you've improved exponentially defensively at third base. You've you've improved, I mean, ridiculously in the outfield. I, I can't even quantify how much in the outfield you would have improved if you get Schwarber off the field. Obviously, he goes to DH in this scenario, and you put uh, a Pache in the outfield, and you could put Marsh in left, Pache in center, whatever the topper wants to line it up it doesn't matter it's going to be plus defense in the outfield that way versus what they have now with Schwarber in in left field every day so so that like the deep just the defense alone could fix things there now there is one thing to note and I think it is important to note because it's part of the story it's only a half season of sample I doubt the fall has happened this fast but if you look at some of the defensive numbers and metrics Nolan Arenado's defense has finally fallen off. It, for the first time ever 
So far this season, he is a negative defender in terms of defensive runs saved. Now, is that a small sample? Was it a couple bad months, a couple bad plays? I, I, for a guy that's been this great this long, one of the great defensive players in the history of baseball, to suddenly be below average, I'm going to call some skepticism on the defensive numbers. And even if you know he has had some bad moments, I'm not trying to say you couldn't go find an error he's made or a bad throw he's made this year. I'm sure that they're there. I've seen a couple. But is he now below average? I can't, it's hard for me to believe that that it's just going to happen that quick. It may have, and that change, certainly changes what he is moving forward because then if he's not a great defensive player, then he's got to really be a great hitter. You know, he, he, The reason he's going to the Hall of Fame and he's racked up this many wins above replacement is he's an all-time defender who's also hit a lot of third base. That, that's why we're talking about a special player here. I, I think it's worth investigating. I don't think, you know, I think there's a real chance that slippage has begun because that's just natural as you get older and you're this far into your career. But I'm skeptical that he's fallen this far. So I still view Nolan Arenado as a guy who's a difference-making third baseman and at the bare minimum will be a good third baseman. Okay, big picture now, and then we'll get to what I'm sure you're wondering, which is what does this mean for Alec Bohm? So big picture, one thing that just jumped out to me, and it would take some projection, it would take some, you know, kind of like guys bouncing back and all that, but I've always thought, and I bring up the Scott Rowland thing again, I always thought that if the Phillies had kept Scott Rowland and everything else in the 2000s had gone the way it went anyway, the Phillies could have at one point fielded the greatest infield in baseball history with Ryan Howard, with Chase Utley, with Jimmy Rollins, and of course, if Scott Rowland had stayed. I thought that could have been you know, considered the greatest infield in baseball history. Well, I don't know if what I'm about to say would ever be that, but it would be one of the best infields in the game and one of the best infields in recent memory. Now, well, work with me. Suspend disbelief. Imagine Bryce Harper can play first base at a high level and his bat comes back to what we're, we were used to, which is a Hall of Fame kind of bat. Okay, he's a first base. Bryce's thoughts becoming a 300 or at second base. Let's imagine, again, suspend disbelief. Trey Turner goes back to being the player the Phillies thought they signed, which is a very impactful player and a guy that's had multiple you know, 900-plus OPS seasons at the shortstop position. And then you throw Arenado at third base. I mean, again, just think about the, what they normally do, what they are supposed to be, the, their potential. Harper, Stott, Turner, Arenado. You know, a year from now, you could be looking at one of the greatest infields in baseball. I mean, in baseball history, again, if, if they all could do their thing and, and the way they're supposed to. Now, there's a chance Harper can't handle first, and Turner's in decline, and Arenado's not the defensive player used to be, and then, you know, we kind of laugh at, at this idea uh, about a year from now. But that, that is possible. Now, as far as the player Arenado this year, I mentioned the defense, He's not quite hitting like he did last year at a 151 OPS plus last year. It's 129 this year. It's more in line with the career norms. He's got 19 home runs, though. I mean, he's, he's Aaron, Nolan Arenado is going to hit 30 plus home runs this year and, and not getting close to 100 runs. So he's still a very, very impactful player. And, and he's won the Phillies should pursue. Now, in terms of a potential trade package, in terms of the contract, I think the contract, and it's not being talked about enough, if, if they do put him on the trade market, it will be looked at as a bargain. So Arenado is signed through 2027. So he's got four years after this one. It's, it's a long, you know, because of the way that contract structured, they got a lot of team control over him. So it's the rest of this year, then it's 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027. And listen to this. This is the best part of it. If for the Phillies, as they navigate luxury tax thresholds, and as much as we don't 
care, and it's, it's John Middleton's money, not ours. Phillies really had very few picks at the beginning of the draft last week because of signing Trey Turner and going over the luxury tax, all that kind of stuff. So it, it does have some cumulative effects over the years if they continue to spend at a high level. But here you go. Here's why Arenado, as a star, fits the let's get stars, let's have the owner spend, but let's not totally cripple the team's ability to draft players, to have bonus money and all that when it comes to amateur uh, scouting and, and player development. Arenado's contract for the next four years, I didn't include the rest of this one, but just let's go off the next four years. Four years, $109 million. And, and this is the part that's just going to blow you away, the Rockies, of course he played for before the Cardinals, they agreed to pay some of this. I mean, that trade that the Rockies made with the Cardinals is, is an all-time bad trade. They got nothing for him, and they paid a lot of the contracts. So they're paying $15 million of the 109 left. So if the Phillies traded for Arenado, they'd get him this year, and then they'd have him four years, $94 million. That's less than $25 million a year for a player of this caliber on only a four-year deal, not one of these elongated Trey Turner, 11 million-year deals so you have to kind of smooth the money out. That's incredible. That, that is an incredible deal. Now, as far as what it would take, it would take a lot. And we start here, and why I didn't include him in any of the machinations of the team, I'll start by giving them Alec Bohm. Uh, I know Alec Bohm's interesting, and I think in a way a little bit, you know, he splits the fan base a little bit because clearly there's been significant improvement in his game from when he first got, um, well, he got up to the big leagues, and we knew he couldn't play third base well, but he hit that rookie year when he lost the rookie of the year to Devin Williams in the pandemic season. But, oh, you know, 2021, the beginning of 2022, so, so, so bad defensively that there's been improvement to where you feel like it's not an error when the ball gets hit to him. He's still not a good defensive third baseman. He has, I would say, some soft and quick hands. So if the ball's hit hard at him and he can physically make the play, like with a, a quick jab or a spin, he could do that. But he's still not a very good third baseman. I don't think he ever will be a very good third baseman. Again, Arenado is one of the all-timers. And as far as offensively, I, I think I think Bohm's offensive profile is also a bit polarizing because if you look at RBI, you know, if you look at a guy that gets hits with runners in scoring position, you're like, hey, he's one of our best RBI guys. But you look at totality, he's been nothing more than an average hitter for his entire major league career. If that, I mean, really, it's just a little bit of tick above average. I don't know if it's ever going to be more than that. The power, you think it should be there. Once in a while, he pops one out and he hits one really far, and you're like, there it is, but some power's coming, and then he goes four weeks with hitting one home run and, and slapping the ball the other way. There's no way Alec Bohm could stop me from going after Nolan Arenado. No way. I mean, there's just there's no way in the world that that could happen. So I would absolutely offer them Bohm in the deal because that you would think they're giving up four-plus years of control over their future Hall of Fame third baseman. They're going to want a third baseman back. So I would offer Alec Bohm. I think the deal would have to be something like Mick Abel and Alec Bohm. That that feels like a very fair deal for a player of this caliber, a player with this many years of team control left. Now, if they put him on the open market and there's 10 teams bidding for Arenado, it might get a bit up to the point because of the team control and the relative cheapness of that contract that the Phillies can't win a deal or they have to give up more or they'd ask for Painter. But Mick Abel and Alec Bohm feels like a very fair deal to to start a conversation with the Cardinals for Nolan Arenado. And if he's available, and it certainly seemed like when he talked the All-Star game, he, he thinks he could be available. The Phillies have to investigate it. Right-handed power, in theory, and I, I think you know a lot of sample over a lot of years tells you a, a great defensive player, improves the offense, allows you to go more defense in the outfield, 
potentially sets you up to have one of the great infields in baseball next year. And really, on a deal that gives you a chance to add another star without breaking the bank in terms of money per year or years. It, it's it's something the Phillies have to investigate. And they're at the point now where, where they are, any star that becomes available, the Phillies should be investigating. That, that's the level of team they're trying to grow to, the payroll they have, the owner they have. If Nolan Arenado is available, the Phillies 1,000% should jump in on this, make a trade offer. I would offer Bohm and Mick Abel to go get a guy who really is Scott Rowland 2.0. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, of course, following WIP Daily. We'll talk tomorrow and uh, 94 WIP, the YouTube page. Check it out, subscribe. We'll do a lot of video podcasts, myself and Tucker Bagley. Thank you so much for listening to WIP Daily.